Part 21 The Legends of the Jews. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Legends of the Jews, Volume 2 by Rabbi Louis Ginsburg. Kind and Unkind Brethren. On the twenty-first day of the second month, in the second of the seven years of famine, Jacob came down to Egypt, and his daughter-in-law, Asenath, visited him. She marveled not a little at his beauty and strength. His shoulders and his arms were like an angel's, and his loins like a giant's. Jacob gave her his blessing, and with her husband she returned home, accompanied by the sons of Leah while the sons of the handmaids, remembering the evil they had once done unto Joseph, kept aloof. Levi, in particular, had conceived a fondness for Asenath. He was especially close to the living God, for he was a prophet and a sage. His eyes were open, and he knew how to read the celestial books written by the finger of God. He revealed to Asenath, that he had seen her future resting place in heaven, and it was built upon a rock and encompassed by a diamond wall. On their journey they met the son of Pharaoh, his successor to the throne, and he was so transported with the Asenath's beauty that he made the plan of murdering Joseph in order to secure possession of his wife. He summoned Simon and Levi, and by blandishments and promises sought to induce them to put Joseph out of the way. Simon was so enraged that he would have failed him at once had not his brother Levi, who was endowed with the gift of prophecy, divined his purpose and frustrated it by stepping upon his foot while whispering, Why art thou so angry and so wroth with the man? We that fear God may not repay evil with evil. Turning to the son of Pharaoh, he told him that nothing would induce them to execute the wickedness he had proposed. Rather, he advised him not to undertake aught against Joseph, else he would kill him with the sword that had served him in his slaughter of the inhabitants of Shechem. The culprit was seized with frantic alarm and fell down before Simon and Levi to entreat their mercy. Levi raised him tip, saying, Fear not but abandon thy wicked plan, and harbor no evil design against Joseph. Nevertheless, the son of Pharaoh did not give up his criminal purpose. He approached the sons of Bilhah and Zilpah, and sought to accomplish through them what had failed with Simon and Levi. He called them into his presence, and told them of a conversation between Joseph and Pharaoh that he had overheard. The former had said that he waited but to learn of the death of his father, Jacob, in order to do away with the sons of the handmaids, because they had been the ones to sell him into slavery. Their wrath excited against Joseph by these words, the sons of Bilhah and Zilpah assented to the proposition of the son of Pharaoh. It, it was arranged that the latter should kill Pharaoh, the friend of Joseph, while they would fall upon their brother and put him out of the way. They were furnished with six hundred able warriors and fifty spearmen for the purpose. The first part of the plan, the murder of Pharaoh, failed. 
the palace guard would not allow even the successor to the throne to enter his father's bedchamber and he had to depart without having effected his object now dan and gad gave him the advice to take up his station with fifty archers in a secret place that asenath had to pass on her homeward journey thence he could make a successful attack upon her suite and gain possession of her naphtali and asher did not care to have anything to do with this hostile enterprise against joseph but dan and gad forced them into it insisting that all the sons of the handmaids must stand together as men and repel the danger that threatened them the legends of the jews volume two by rabbi lewis ginsburg treachery punished from their ambush the forces of the son of pharaoh fell upon asenath and her six hundred attendants they succeeded in hewing down the vanguard and asenath had to take to flight to her alarm she encountered the son of pharaoh with fifty mounted men benjamin seated in the same chariot with her came to her rescue for in spite of his youth he was exceedingly courageous he descended from the chariot gathered pebbles and throwing them at the son of pharaoh struck him on his forehead and inflicted a severe wound the charioteer aided him by keeping him supplied with pebbles which he cast at the fifty riders with such expert skill that he slew forty-eight of them with as many missiles meantime the sons of leah arrived on the spot and came to asenath's aid for levi with his prophetic spirit had seen what was happening and summoning his five brothers he had hastened thither these six attacked the troops in ambush and cut them down but the danger to asenath was by no means removed at this moment the sons of the handmaids threw themselves upon her and benjamin with drawn swords it was their intention to kill them both and flee to cover in the depths of the woods but as soon as asenath supplicated god for aid the swords dropped from the hands of her assailants and they saw that the lord was on the side of asenath they fell at her feet and entreated her grace she allayed their anxiety with the words be courageous and have no fear of your brethren the sons of leah they are god-fearing men do but keep yourselves in hiding until their wrath is appeased when the sons of leah appeared asena fell down before them and amid tears she adjured them to spare the sons of the handmaids and not repay with evil the evil they had meditated simon would not hear of making concessions he insisted that the measure of their sins was full and they must pay for them with their lives for they had been the ones that had sold joseph into slavery and brought down untold misfortune upon jacob and his sons but asenath did not leave off and her urgent petitions won the day she succeeded in calming the anger of simon and in levi she had a secret ally for this prophet knew the hiding place of the sons of the handmaids and he did not betray it to simon lest his wrath be increased at the sight of them it was also levi that restrained benjamin from giving the death-blow to the heavily wounded son of pharaoh so far from permitting harm to be done to him he washed his wounds 
put him into a chariot, and took him to Pharaoh, who thanked Levi from his heart for his services of loving-kindness. Levi's efforts were vain. Three days later, the son of Pharaoh died of the wounds inflicted by Benjamin, and from grief over the loss of his firstborn, Pharaoh followed him soon after, departing this life at the age of one hundred and seventy-seven years. His crown he left to Joseph, who ruled over Egypt for forty-eight years thereafter. He in turn handed the crown on to the grandchild of Pharaoh, an infant in arms at the time of his grandfather's death, toward whom Joseph had acted in a father's stead all his life. The Legends of the Jews, Volume 2, by Rabbi Louis Ginsburg The Death and Burial of Joseph on his deathbed joseph took an oath of his brethren and he bade them on their deathbed likewise take an oath of their sons to carry his bones to palestine when god should visit them and bring them up out of the land of egypt he said i that am a ruler could take my father's body up to the holy land while it was still intact of you i do but make the request that ye carry my bones from hence and you may inter them in any spot in Palestine. For I know that the burial place of the fathers was appointed to be the tomb only of the three patriarchs and their three wives. Joseph took the oath to carry his remains along with them when they left Egypt, from his brethren, and not from his sons, to bury him at once in Palestine. For he feared the Egyptians would not give the latter permission to transport his bones, even if they recalled what Joseph had been allowed to do with his father's body. They would object that Joseph had been the viceroy, and a wish preferred by one of so high an estate could not be denied. Furthermore, he adjured his brethren not to leave Egypt until a redeemer should appear and announce his message, with the words, Fakad, I have surely visited you a tradition which Joseph had received from his father, who bade it from Isaac, and Isaac in turn had bared it from Abraham. And he told them that God would redeem Israel through Moses, as through the Messiah, in this world as in the world to come, and the Egyptian redemption would begin in Tishri, when Israel would be freed from slave labor and would be completed in the following Nisan when they would leave Egypt. Joseph also admonished his brethren to walk in the ways of the Lord, so that they might become worthy of his grace and help. Especially he impressed upon his brethren and his sons the virtue of chastity and a steadfast moral life. He told them all that had happened to him, the hatred of his brethren, the persecutions of the wife of Potiphar, the slander, envy, and malice of the Egyptians, to show how that those who fear the Lord are not forsaken by him in darkness or bondage, or tribulation or distress. I was sold into slavery, he said, but the Lord delivered me. I was thrown into prison, but his strong hand helped me. I was tortured by hunger, but the Lord himself gave me sustenance. I was alone and God comforted me. 
and as for you if ye will walk in the ways of chastity and purity in patience and humility of heart the lord will dwell among you for he loveth a chaste life and if you my children will observe the commandments of the lord he will raise you up here in this world and bless you there in the world to come if men seek to do evil unto you pray for them and you will be delivered from all evil by the lord on account of my forbearing patience i received the daughter of my master's to wife and her dowry was a hundred talents of gold and god gave me also beauty like the beauty of a flower more than all the children of jacob and he preserved me unto mine old age in vigor and beauty for in all things did i resemble jacob joseph continued and told them the visions he had had in which the future of israel was revealed to him and then he closed with the words i know that the egyptians will oppress you after my death but god will execute vengeance for your sakes and he will lead you to the land of promise of your fathers but ye shall surely carry my bones with you from hence for if my remains are taken to canaan the lord will be with you in the light and behar will be with the egyptians in the darkness also take with you the bones of your mother zilpah and bury them near the sepulchre of bilhah and rachel these words ended he stretched out his feet and slept his last eternal sleep and the whole of israel mourned him and the whole of egypt was in great grief for he had been a compassionate friend to the egyptians too and he had done good unto them and given them wise counsel and assistance in all their undertakings joseph's wish that his bones would rest in the holy land was fulfilled when the israelites went forth from egypt and no less a personage than moses applied himself to its execution such was joseph's reward for the devotion he had displayed in the interment of his father's body for he had done all things needful himself leaving naught to others therefore so great a man as moses busied himself with the realization of joseph's wish for three days and three nights preceding the exodus moses hunted up and down through the land of egypt for joseph's coffin because he knew that israel could not leave egypt without heeding the oath given to joseph but his troubles was in vain the coffin was nowhere to be found sarah the daughter of asher met moses tired and exhausted and in answer to her question about the cause of his weariness he told her of his fruitless search sarah took him to the nile river and told him that the leaden coffin made for joseph by the egyptians had been sunk there after having been scaled up on all sides the egyptians had done this at the instigation and with the help of the magicians who knowing that israel could not leave the country without the coffin had used their arts to put it in a place whence it could not be removed moses now took joseph's cup and he cut four flat pieces from it and engraved a lion on one of them an eagle on the second a bull on the third and a human figure on the fourth he threw the first with the lion into the river saying at the same time joseph joseph the hour for the redemption of israel hath arrived 
the shekinah lingers here only for thy sake the clouds of glory await thy coming if thou wilt show thyself well and good if not then we are clear from our oath but the coffin did not appear then moses threw the second plate into the water that with the figure of the eagle repeating the same words but again the coffin did not rise from the bed of the nile and there it remained too when he threw in the third plate bearing the figure of the bull and called upon joseph a third time to come forth but the fourth plate with the human figure and the fourth invocation to joseph brought the coffin to the surface of the water moses seized it and in joy he bore it off while israel had been busy gathering gold and silver from the egyptians moses had been thinking of nothing but joseph's coffin and his happiness was great that he had been permitted to fulfill the wish of joseph during the forty years of wandering through the desert the coffin was in the midst of israel as a reward for joseph's promise to his brethren i will nourish you and take care of you god had said as thou livest for forty years they will take care of thy bones all this time in the desert israel carried two shrines with them the one the coffin containing the bones of the dead man joseph the other the ark containing the covenant of the living god the wayfarers who saw the two receptacles wondered and they would ask how doth the ark of the dead come next to the ark of the ever-living the answer was the dead man enshrined in the one fulfilled the commandments enshrined in the other in the latter it is written i am the lord thy god and he said am i in the place of god here it is written thou shalt have no other gods before my face and he said i fear god here it is written thou shalt not take the name of the lord thy god in vain and therefore he did not swear by god but said by the life of pharaoh here it is written remember the sabbath day and he said to the overseer of his palace on friday slay and make ready meaning for the sabbath here it is written honor thy father and thy mother and he said when his father desired to send him to his brethren here i am although he knew it was perilous for him to go here it is written thou shalt not kill and he refrained from murdering potiphar when potiphar's wife urged him to do it here it is written thou shalt not commit adultery and he scorned the adulterous proposals of potiphar's wife here it is written thou shalt not steal and he stole nothing from pharaoh but gathered up all the money and brought it unto pharaoh's house here it is written thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor and he told his father nothing of what his brethren had done to him though what he might have told was the truth here it is written thou shalt not covet and he did not covet potiphar's wife on their arrival in the holy land the israelites buried the bones of joseph in shechem for god spake to the tribes saying from shechem did ye steal him and unto shechem shall ye return him god who is so solicitous about the dead bodies of the pious is even more solicitous about their souls which stand before him like angels 
and do their service ministering unto him. End of chapter 1, part 21